Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got Adrian Hernandez with Authentic Cash Buyers, and he flew in from Orange County, California to talk about doing 140 deals last year, two and a half million in wholesaling in 2021. If this is your first time tuning in, I'm Steve Trang, sales trainer, and every month we help hundreds of people buy more houses at deeper margins. If you want more information on that, DM me the word sales on Instagram, and I am a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, I assure you, you will become one. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in Disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. I truly do believe that a rising tide lifts all boats and we're always hiring. If you want to work with us in any capacity, send us a message. And friendly reminder, we got Closures Lab tomorrow, 10 o'clock Pacific with Max Jimenez, my business partner. And we got Blockchain Wells on blockchainwells.com. This is a live show. Please ask your questions for Adrian to answer. You ready? Hey, what's up, Steve? All right, that was a really long intro, so <laughs> I no, apologize. All good. All right, so the question, first question is, what got you into real estate? Yeah, well, what got me into real estate was my parents. So my parents are real estate uh, brokers. They've been in the lending world for a long time. And I got to see my uncle uh, make a good amount of money uh, in the mortgage world. And it was interesting. I had a, I was in high school and I had a uh, teacher have us write a vision letter of what we want the future to look like. Junior year, 16 years old. And I wrote a vision of me owning a real estate office along the coast of Southern California me having a real estate team, wholesaling and flipping real estate was not in there, right? I didn't know what that was, but I knew that I wanted to be in real estate. And for some reason, I knew that I wanted it to be in Orange County, California. Uh, so that, it's, always, it's always been a dream since I was a kid for, for some weird reason of me just being around the proximity of it. So you want to be in real estate? Yeah. All right. So this is a, how old were you said? I was 16 when I- 16 years old. When I wrote okay. this letter, yeah. Uh, when did you take action on yeah. this letter? So I wanted to take action right out of high school, which was 08 when the market crashed. So my parents are like, you are not getting in the market. You are not getting into real estate. You have to do something completely different. So at that time, I went and I thought, well, I'll be a firefighter. At that time, everybody wanted to be firefighters, right? So really? At, at my school, at least. Okay. Everybody was shooting to be a firefighter. All right. Real estate was out the window. No one was making money. Okay. So start, started going to fire school. Started to go to EMT school, and the whole time something wasn't right. I remember one day we're at a, uh, my buddy Derek and I, we're doing a training, like a, you know, go to see if you really want to do this type of thing at a fire station, and they made us scrub brass for about four and a half hours, and right then and there I knew I ain't going to be a firefighter. Scrub uh, brass. So, you know, the brass on the trucks, mm -hmm. uh, we had to scrub all the brass for a good four hours, right? That was their way of like, hey, if you want to do this, this is what this is. Wow. Well, that's good that you found out early. <laughs> yes, yes. And immediately pivot. And uh, to answer your question at 19, that's when I took action. Uh, went to work for my uncle as a telemarketer, then became a real estate assistant to a broker. And that's when my career started. Okay. So you got pushed away from it, but you couldn't avoid it. You had to come back. Couldn't resist. So you said you got hired as a telemarketer for your uncle. Okay. What does that mean to be a telemarketer in that role? Cold call. So I had a list, a book of business that he was doing back in the day. And my job was just to cold call that list. You guys open to refinancing. Have you thought about buying? Have you thought about upgrading your current home to a new home? 
and doing what I can to get them a loan. So he was a mortgage. He was a mortgage person. Okay, and when was this? That was I was eighteen at the time. So two thousand and what would that be? Two thousand and eleven. Two thousand eleven. Okay, so the market's starting to turn back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're cold calling. These are like truly cold, old leads or warm leads. Old leads. Old cold, leads. Warm leads. Okay. Cold, cold, old leads. Got it. <laughs> I said cold, warm leads. Yeah. So cold, old leads. All right. So you're calling them. How how did that go? Uh, it was interesting. I was able to push through. I was able to push through the call. Um, but the operation just really wasn't, you know, he was trying to get himself back on his feet. Uh, I only lasted three weeks and then immediately he actually had a talk. He did a, a little seminar in his office and he had a broker go and talk and saw that broker speak. And I'm like, I got to go work for him. And that's when I transitioned and I became a assistant to the broker. Can I say something like really, um, aggressive? Yeah. I would say that after like cleaning the brass in <laughs> three weeks of cold calling, it was two very quick, like... <laughs> I'm out of here moments. <laughs> a little concerning. <laughs> yes. I enjoyed cold calling for some reason though. Yeah. And you know, as we'll get into it, I ended up doing that for years. I still yeah. somewhat enjoy getting on the phone yeah. and making a cold call, you know, as, as so, non-efficient as that is. <laughs> so assistant to the broker. Yes. Okay. Uh, what were you doing as an assistant to the broker? Uh, he is, he was opening an office. So I was doing everything. So I was helping him with his listings. I was uh, doing a lot of internal stuff, so bringing agents on, helping them get emails set up, straight up assistant work. Uh, did that for six months, mm-hmm. and in the meantime, I was still learning, learning from him, seeing how he how he was selling, and then that's when I transitioned, got my license. I actually did my first sale without my license by doing an open house. Uh, that's how I got my first transaction. So, uh, what broker was this? Uh, this was Intero Real Estate at the time in Intero. Southern California. Okay, yeah. I think they were pretty big. Pretty they good were, size. They were big, yeah. They were huge. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you work with him, and you're helping him set up his brokerage. And then after six months, you get licensed, and now you're, you're a practicing agent. Yep. Okay, so um, you were calling still for him as, the, as an assistant? No, I wasn't calling for him as, as an assistant. I was door knocking. Door knocking. Okay. So for six months, you're also door knocking on top of everything else. So that had, had, had to be a lot of fun. That was really fun. Yeah. My job interview was, there's a thousand flyers, go door knock them, go pass them out on this neighborhood. In essence, go door knock and let me know when you're done. That mm-hmm. was my job interview. And obviously you passed. Yes, I did it. All right. So how much door knocking did you do? So did I door do? knocked for four years straight uh, and I would door knock anywhere between 75 to 100 homes a day. Four years? Four years. You were door knocking? Yeah. Built my entire real estate business off door knocking and cold calling. I was going to say, that must have been pretty lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> when you break it down on the uh, the amount of dollars you were earning per hour, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It's well, what did you break down? What did you find out by breaking it down? So, well, I did it for four years, right? And by the third and a half year, I became the top agent in the office, sold forty million dollars worth of sales volume, uh, and I hit three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in income. Mm-hmm. But it was working very, very, very hard. Uh, my routine at the time, I was a big routine guy from the day I got started. So I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning at the gym by four 30. I was role playing every single day from seven o'clock in the morning till eight 30, getting on the phones from eight 30 to 12 door knocking from one to three, then doing an open house again and, or continuing the door knock in the evening. I didn't hear anything about showing houses here. No, I was not working with buyers at the time. Okay. So exclusively sellers, exclusively looking for listings. And who are you door knocking? I would drop, this is profound, 
I would drop a, go on Google map. I would just drop center of where mm-hmm. a home just sold and just go door knock the neighborhood. All right. So Keller Williams <laughs> kind of calls this like circle prospecting. Yes, exactly. Okay. I call it brilliant because there's nothing to it. I just went <laughs> to a neighborhood and started knocking on doors. Hey, it worked, right? So oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It built a business. Uh, so uh, Brent Daniels, he's been on a guest on the show before. You guys all know him as, you know, TTP. Like he cut his teeth cold calling and door knocking, right? When he's yeah. preaching talk to people is because he lived talk to people. Yeah, seriously. Right? So were you like a Mike Ferry acolyte yep. or? Okay. Yep. So that's where the background came from. Yeah. My first day as a licensee, I got my license in Anaheim, California, where you take your test. And I went straight to, it was the Double Tree at the time in Anaheim next to the Disneyland. And my first event was a UPW event. I'm sorry, it was a Mike Ferry event. Right after that was UPW Tony Robbins. Yeah. I think Mike Ferry is based in Southern California. Yeah. 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 So it wasn't like a big commute for him. It was just like, you just almost like going to his office. Right. Okay. So for those that aren't oh, familiar, you want to share a little bit about what Mike Ferry is? Yeah. It's Mike Ferry is a you know phenomenal individual. He starts, uh, he does coaching for real estate agents. Uh, mainly listings, working with buyers and building a real estate business. Yeah. So a coach, right? Um, A guru in some way. Yeah. Because I've I've heard, I don't know how accurate this is. I've heard that he had a little bit of success and he started a coaching company. He started a coaching company. Kind of like, we've we've known some people that kind of have a little bit of success and start a coaching company. Start a coaching company. Yeah. Yeah. He's the godfather, I believe, to like real estate coaching because prior to him, there was no real estate coach and then he came around and then all these coaches came about. Um, so yeah, forever be, I'll forever be grateful for the fundamentals and basics that, oh, that I, I learned think at the Ferry organization. Mike Ferry has done wonder, wonders for the traditional real estate uh, community. Uh, I went through his coaching at one point, uh, Brent gave me the DVD collection okay. and I went through it and this, it just was not for me. I, I think I literally disagree with everything he said, uh, but obviously he preaches a lot of people that, that drink the Kool-Aid are very successful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I okay. Think, I think anything works if you work, right? Right. But. How, Are you just how? saying I wasn't working? <laughs> <laughs> Not intentionally. <laughs> uh, I believe anything works if you work, but is it efficient? Is it effective, right? Like I, it took me some time to realize this isn't the most efficient and effective way to get right. business. When you really break it down and you look at how much time is invested into what I was doing, it wasn't until later, we'll get into it, it wasn't until later till I realized there's an easier way. Right. Well, it's it's absolutely amazing for active income. Hmm. For sure. You just couldn't take vacations. No. And if you were, you were on your phone. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, exactly. And I don't really see it as being like a true business owner because mm. you're involved in everything. You're just really a high paid employee. Yeah. Right. Really. I mean, this is that difference, right? We don't really spend a lot of time talking about it, but the difference between self-employed and a business owner. Right. You're self-employed. You work for the worst possible person to work for yourself. Yep. Yeah. Keyword self-employed. Yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, it's interesting because I meet agents and they're like, well, I'm an entrepreneur. I have this business. And I go, okay, how many hours do you work a day? Tell me about your day. Well, I go on the listing appointment. I make the cold calls. I TC the file. I'm practically the lender. They're over at escrow. They're at title. And I'm, how many deals are you doing? I do about 10 deals a year. Yeah. And I'm like, interesting. Yeah. Self-employed. Yeah. But, you know, I think a lot of people fall into that trap. Absolutely. They think they're self, they think they're an entrepreneur and they are they're just very early in their career on right. what entrepreneurship means. Um, okay, so you took the Mike Ferry training. Obviously, you killed it with it. What'd you do after that? So then from there, mind you, I'm in selling in the Illin Empire Rancho Cucamonga at the time. I'm not in OC. I'm uh, where I was raised. 
So I knew I was going to Orange County, right? So I hit this big year. That was the vision. Yeah, that was the vision. I hit this big year. I thought I knew it all, Steve. I got it, dude. I beat everyone in my office. I figured this thing out, right? Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I open a real estate brokerage, like what we all do, right? We start getting some, we start getting some success and our head gets bigger than what it is and we open a real estate office. So I moved to Mission Viejo, South Orange County, California, and I opened my first real estate brokerage uh, and that was the next step. And it's been unbelievable success since. Killing it. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you guys that haven't been paying attention, I'm actually shutting my brokerage down. Um, so um, right. I've had so many people like, should I start a brokerage? And I always say no, right? Yeah. But they're always skeptical because like, but then you have your brokerage. Like, yeah, because I already opened it and I paid my dues. It doesn't make any financial sense to shut it down. Right. right? Um, but anyway, so. Can we pivot it? We pivot. So, so you open your brokerage. What was that? And what year was this? This was 2015. 2015. Okay. So what was End that? Of 2015 going into 16. So what was that experience like? So we go open the brokerage, my, which was my fiance at the time. Uh, now my beautiful wife, uh, we moved, open up this brokerage and I start managing and recruiting. Mm -hmm. So the same thing I was doing with finding listings is the same thing I was doing with finding agents. So I was pulling a dictionary of all the agents in the neighborhood and I was cold calling all the agents. Hey, Steve, curious to know if you've thought, if uh, you've heard about our advanced coaching platform, just curious to know if you'd be open to five minutes of your time this week. And I did that over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, and it worked, right? It worked. I was able to, we build a great business. We build a very successful brokerage. We were number five in our area, which was awesome at one point. Uh, and then I had a realization, and mind you, this whole time that I'm going throughout this, going through this process, something wasn't vibing, something wasn't connecting, right? I noticed I was becoming more of an asshole at home, right? I don't know if I could say that on here, I apologize. That's too late. <laughs> I was becoming more of a, not a person I am at home. I, was, I wasn't being a, I noticed I wasn't me, Steve. I would go on appointments, I would meet people, and I just wasn't who I know that I was. And my, eventually my wife was like, hey, when are you going to really realize what's going on, right? She, she was very supportive and with me throughout the whole time. Um, but there's a saying, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Mm -hmm. I was expecting a different result, but I wasn't changing what I was doing. What result were you expecting? I was expecting me to have more time. I was expecting that the business, the brokerage was going to be number one and we were going to make all this money right away, right? Mm -hmm. And we we're going to have all these great agents and I was going to have all this extra time. And guess what I didn't have? Time. I didn't have a single ounce of time. I was babysitting real estate agents, right? I, that's literally what I thought I was doing, mm -hmm. right? I was recruiting a lot. I was managing. And finally, I had a realization that this is just not working. And I happened to be blessed to go to Business Mastery, Tony Robbins, where I met, uh, I met several different real estate investors that really helped me understand that there was a bigger game to be played. Now, yeah. mind you, I had been flipping since 2015. I had been wholesaling on the side, but for me, it was just an extra paycheck. I never looked at it as a business. Yeah. Well, I totally get where you're coming from. It's like we're running, like this, writing the same story together. Because uh, I was doing well wholesaling on the side, right? Interesting. So I got my traditional real estate business and it's going, but I'm wholesaling on the side. And it was, it, there was like a, a moment, right? Where I was like, looking at my numbers, like, wait a minute. Right. Time versus money. Uh, it makes much more sense to focus on the wholesaling side. Absolutely. And not do the traditional side. So that's kind of when I started 
winding down the traditional team. Wow. And then at some point, not winding down the brokerage, but like, I really do need to spend all my time on this side because this side creates a lot more opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. So you had that realization, flipping, and you said, oh, went to business mastery. That really helped. Went to business mastery. That really opened up my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And it, I happened to meet Chris Crone at business mastery, saw what he was doing, right? Let him know what I was doing. His first words were get out immediately, right? Those were his first words out of his mouth. Uh, and it was cool because it helped me open up my mind. And at the time, my partner in the wholesale company, Nick Ramirez, uh, was at the brokerage with us. And at this whole time, him and I were doing side deals and he was always peeping in my ear, dude, let's, let's go wholesale. Let's go all in on wholesale. Let's go all in on wholesale. Then I go to business mastery and the dots just connect. Mm -hmm. So I come back from business mastery, immediately shut the brokerage down. Immediately. Immediately. Literally send my resignation. Hey guys, Guys, this isn't working. I'm sorry. We're shutting this down. Send the resignation to. Uh, so I was partners with. Um, I was had two partners in Got this it. brokerage. So it wasn't a you know had to be a group decision. But I decided enough was enough. Send the resignation letter, um, and Nick and I ventured off and started our wholesale company. Literally two weeks later. Yeah. So I think that there's a for me there was a lesson. Absolutely. Um, in hiring training managing salespeople and what i realized was that it is not fun to have a large sales organization it's fun it's a lot of fun to have a sales organization right but there's this tipping point where once you have this many salespeople, it's no longer fun it feels more like managing yep yeah yeah and i felt that that whole time and i'm not a good manager right I'm a good oh me neither i'm a terrible manager that's why i have the people here like max <laughs> managing the salespeople. <laughs> I'll yeah. lead, I'll coach, I'll motivate. But as far as managing, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you shut everything down. Um, so that brokerage, is, is it still up and running? No, so they ended up selling to another company and they're okay. no longer around. All right, so that, you, sent, you submit your resignation, you move on, and then with Nick, now what? We move on, go to Dana Point, California. We find a, by the grace of God, find a beautiful spot right there in the harbor. And at the time, I still need a brokerage, right? I still have past client center of influence. I still have a team. And so at the time, we open up what is we still have now, which is Real Living, which is a Brookshire Hathaway company. And we start our wholesale company. We start authentic cash buyers and we start hitting the ground running. And I, you know, I look at it and, you know, there's a saying, it's in Will Smith's book. He says, in school, you take the lesson and then you take the test. But in life, life gives us the test and it's up to us to learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that brokerage was a test for me to learn the lessons that I needed to learn, the foundation, the fundamentals, because the moment we opened up the wholesale company, Steve, it was like a rocket ship just ascended into the sky. And it was weird how it all came together and Carlos Reyes came into our life and mm -hmm. how the all in, how it all just fit and forever grateful for it. You know, yeah. I look back and I, I don't, I don't regret a single moment of it. I'm so grateful for everything that, that, that happened. Yeah. And again, like, I, I think we're, we're kind of on the same journey because I, same thing, like, yeah, where there's times where we're banging our head against, you know, the wall and so on, but all the principles we learn in running our business yeah. gave us the foundation. And it's something I've said over and over again, right? Like I think realtors truly, could do really well in this business. I've said like, you know, realtors are the greatest threat to wholesalers. If realtors will take wholesaling seriously, but instead they kind of look down on wholesaling. 
Yeah. So they don't do well. No, they don't. Yeah. And if they could understand all the different avenues to this, they're much smarter than wholesalers because they know the market much mm. better, right? They're out there. They're seeing it. And um, that's, that's a mission we're on. You know, I yeah. really want to help. As well, many. what is that mission? You want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So, you know, we're on a mission to help as many real estate agents as we possibly can, right? I um, happen to be really good friends and blessed to be friends with Thatch Nguyen. Uh, Thatch Nguyen was another major, major, um, he played a big role in my life throughout that transition period because I got to go spend some time with him. And as you know, Thatch wholesales and, you know, does some, some yeah, great stuff. Yeah, if you just whenever you get a chance, just tell him to reply my, to my DMs. All right, continue. Okay, I'll tell. <laughs> so uh, we're on a mission to help as many agents as possible, being able to see more than just listings and buyers, right? Uh, we actually have an event coming up and it's for real estate agents. It's let's agents, let us help you understand there's not just listings and buyers to work with. Nonetheless, let's really break this down real fast. So a real estate agent cold calls. And how do I know? Because I cold call, right? They go to vacant houses and do open houses, right? And they'll send out letters or do a farm. And what is what does that do? That cost the agent and that particular person a lot of time. And what is our most valuable asset? It's time, right? And when I look at this, I see so many agents that take 10, 15, 20 years to ever even get close to half a million dollars. And why? It's because the time that they are putting to their work has a very low dollar per hour attached to it. They're cold calling, they're doing open houses. And I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm saying is, is if you're an agent and you want to make millions of dollars, you're not going to have that much free time and or a life doing it, working with buyers and sellers. It's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. And if we can just expand the agent's mind to understand when you go to an appointment, look at an appointment in multiple different ways. Can I wholesale it? Can I buy the house myself? Can I flip it? Is there any way I can do, do a sub two here? Steve, do we know how many agents, if they were to just open their mind, how many properties they would own because they're the, the ones on the front line? Yes, they would first. Well, and so I got a, another friend, uh, someone I look up to a lot, Papa Store, and he's like, he's kind of said the same thing for many, many years. As long as I've known him, it was like, Realtors are doing a really lousy job of building out their retirement portfolio because we have access to the best retirement possible and we just blow this opportunity over and over again. I think he bought, I think in his entire grade, he bought at least two rentals every single year he was in business, right? Right. Um, and here's the thing that I think a lot of wholesalers, not wholesalers, realtors miss out on is that you do this deal, right? Let's say you're listing a house for half a million in your market, you know, I get a $15,000 commission, which is great. Right, nothing to sneeze at. That that's real, tangible money. Right. The problem as a realtor is, as far as return on time, same effort in marketing, same effort in working with people, and actually less effort in working with people, and more revenue. Because if you're doing a deal where it's a wholesale or a flip, you're actually making more for your time in less effort. Yep. Right. But I don't know, they hate it. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, I'm great friends with a lot of brokers, but you're going to listen to your coach, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think, um, you know, I talk to a lot of brokers and a lot of them don't know. And I think brokers have a long way to go also as far as growth, because I talk to them and a lot of them don't even know what a sub two is, or mm -hmm. they don't know how to package up a wholesale, right? And so I think if the whole industry as a whole can start to see that, and if that can be talked about in more offices, I think agents will start to think differently. But yeah. The problem is they go into an office meeting and what do they tell you to do? 
Go to open house. Go do an open house. And a matter call. of fact, we have one, two, three, Hunt Street available. And who wants it on Saturday from three to four? All right. Who wants floor time? <laughs> um, and and so it's actually, you know, uh, not to steal your thunder here, but it's the reason why, like, Ryan and I partnered up to do real. Yeah. Right? Is that the traditional broker wants you to do real estate transactions because that's how he makes his living. Spot on. Understandable. Yes. Right? But if we're on the realtor side, right, it's not about you selling as many houses as possible to line my pockets. It's about how do you become wealthy. Exactly. Right? So that's why, you know, again, Ryan and I partnered up. Um, okay, so you have an event coming up? Yeah, so we have an event in Irvine, California in August, and Thatch Nguyen is going to be speaking at the event uh, with Ty Leon Guerrero and Jody Raffaelli, who are, again, from the real estate world, and they've transformed into multiple streams. I mean, Jody Raffaelli has a huge, massive development that he's doing, 250 units in Las Vegas. Uh, so it's going to be cool. So we're going to be able to talk to agents and help them understand what needs to change, especially in this market. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Josh, we had interviews this week and all of our interviews were lenders that were laid off. Yeah. I looked at our applications this morning, they're title reps and more lenders that are being laid off. Agents, if you don't think it's coming or you don't think something is coming, um, you, you gotta start paying attention. Yeah, uh, I mean, loans are way down. and. Predominantly because refi is down. Right. Refi is down. If the interest rates going up, refinance is going down as far as volume, and refinance goes down in volume. Loan officers are making less money, yep. and mortgage companies have no heart. They will lay down. They will lay out people fast. Oh yeah. And title company is pretty similar too because yep. their business is also down. They're doing it on a Zoom. They're getting thirty people in one room and firing everybody on a Zoom. Oh, there was that one. Was it in December? Right. Like there's like nine hundred people got laid off on a Zoom call. On a Zoom call. <laughs> Talk about efficiency. Yeah, it's efficient. <laughs> it's efficient. It's heartless as hell. Heartless. It's efficient. Absolutely heartless. So you did 140 some transactions last year. Yes. Uh, uh, almost two and a half million. Yeah. Okay. So how can someone right now that's listening to the show do that? Like what, what are the things that they'll have to do to make that happen? The first thing that I'm going to say is they need to get a coach. We mm -hmm. don't have this all figured out. No one has this all figured out. And I'll just ask you a question. How well has your own been how how well has your own plan been working for you? How well has your own skill set been working for you? For the most part, most of us aren't naturally gifted or naturally born with I need to do one, two, three, four, five. So my first advice is go hire a coach as fast as, as fast as possible. Get involved. Steve, your sales training is through the roof, right? Go get involved in a sales training. Get involved in some sort of mentorship that's going to help you with the cheat codes to get you to where you want to go. That's the way I see this. I see this as a video game, and you're giving me the cheat codes, and I'm yep. punching them in, and boom, I got ahead two levels, right? right. So that's the first step. And then the second step is keeping it super, super simple. I think 99.9% .9 of us overcomplicate this entire process. Rather that be listing property or working a wholesale deal or doing a flip, we overcomplicate it. Keep it super, super simple. A way that you can explain it to a four-year-old, and it's going to help you take action faster because there's a saying, complexity is the enemy of execution. When things are super complex, we never take action on them, mm -hmm. right? Because we have 50 things to go through versus just two. So those are the two biggest advice that I can give agents that or wholesalers that want get to get, get to that point. So one question I get a lot, so I'll ask this question to you, is how do I identify like how do i find it how do i decide this is the right coach yeah that's a good question um 
you know, I'll tell you who it's not, right? I'll tell you, it's the guy who is not is the guy who had like one great year and now they have a coaching company and it's all over the place and they're like not even 25 years old. That's not the guy, okay? Um, with the really good hair. Yeah, with the really... <laughs> That's too funny. Um, I think of Ryan's hair when, when you say really good hair. I mean, he has good hair, but I, I, every time you see someone with like the, they're on their Lambo or whatever, and their hair is like, they just walked out of a modeling. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And whatever. some blue in it. Yeah. Yeah. If they're standing next to a Lamborghini, that's probably the first yeah. identifier not to, right? Yeah. Uh, but success leaves clues, guys, and you will notice and you will see the, uh, you will see the students of those coaching platforms like yours, right? Mm -hmm. All your students are wildly successful. Right. We look at paces, they're wildly successful, all in wildly successful. So follow the clues, follow what is what is true, what is what other people are talking about. That's my best advice. And, and don't just go after the guy that you're seeing on YouTube, do your homework, right? I mean, I did, before we hired Carlos, we did our extensive homework and we find out he was the one in the whole yeah. space. So do your homework and your, your gut will tell you quite a bit like yep. sometimes we'll try to convince ourselves that our gut's wrong when usually our gut's pretty accurate spot on it's that intuition right yeah. you guys know you meet somebody and you're like uh, something's off with this guy right it's that intuition as they say it's the godlike within coming out trying to tell you something you just got to listen to it yeah so if your gut's telling you like don't do it like don't do it don't do it yeah um same thing with the deal yeah <laughs> you have to justify the deal you're in trouble the moment we start justifying the deals, when we start losing money, exactly. Uh, so, still, those are the first two things. What were, what was instrumental in helping you have a big year last year? Yeah, massive, and we've heard this all the time, and it's super cliche, but massive, massive, massive action. Right, whatever it is that you guys are doing, go all in on it. Don't play half, half in, half out, because half in, half out gets you absolutely nowhere. So the biggest advice is, one, you know what to do. Once they, are give, once they tell you, all right, Steve says you need to do one, two, and three, go take action on one, two, and three, and go all in on that action. If it's hiring cold callers, go all in on that. If it's marketing, figure it out what it is that your marketing is, and go all in on that one subject. I think too many of us, we're like, we're half in, we're half out, I'm gonna try it. You know, let me try mailers. I'm going to try it for two months mm -hmm. and they go two months and nothing happens and they pull back. It's the consistency, right? It's doing it when you don't want to do it. It's doing it when you still don't even understand what to do, but you do it anyways. Right. Uh, and that's when you look at it at a tactical standpoint, guys, it's as easy as just following what your coach tells you to do for the longest time. I wouldn't listen to my coach and I'm like, well, why do I, have, why the heck do I have? Why, why am I paying them? And yeah. then I started implementing it and my bank account started to change. Yeah. Was there any particular lead source, particular channel that you did that really worked well for you last year? Cold calling has always been number one in our in our business. Um, text messaging last year actually started to creep up over cold calling. Mm -hmm. uh, we did thirty eight deals just off text messaging. Yeah, uh, but as we know, things have changed over the last couple of months, so yeah. that has not been the case. Uh, we've seen a drop off in text messaging. But so cold calling, which again, again going back, you know, this is your Mike Ferry roots. You're cold calling for listings or you're cold calling to recruit agents, which I think is a lot harder to cold call to recruit agents than cold call sellers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're ego, right? And if they're doing five deals, Steve, in Orange County, they're, 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 they're number they're hero. one. Dude. They're superheroes. Yeah, 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 yeah. They even got number one on their Instagram. Because <laughs> um, in my experience, right, when you're cold, because I've done the recruiting thing, right? Right. When you cold call the recruit, like these are super jaded people. And again, like they think they're the best. For sure. They're also, usually what I found, if they're doing five to 15 deals, they're a little less coachable. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So their mind is closed. Yeah. So yeah. cold calling, your experience in cold calling to get listings and cold calling to recruit agency or brokerage has been was helpful for you in in, in cold calling to get um, to do deals. Absolutely. Was there anyone particularly that you were cold calling? Expired listings. I mastered expired listings for a long time on the listing side. Mm -hmm. And then on the agent side, uh, it was anywhere between five. It's interesting you say five to 15 deals. That was our target market was five to 15 deals. Yeah. I mean, that was our target too. Like five to five to 15, five to 20. Yeah. But man. <laughs> Tiring. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we carried the operation of cold calling into wholesale. But the difference was, right, you have, let's look at it like a funnel real fast. You have cold, warm, and hot. The closer you are to hot, the more money you're going to make per hour. So when you look at cold calling, right, as an agent or as a recruiter, you're not making that much money. So what, what we did, and thankfully to Carlos, right, Carlos was like, you need to hire cold callers immediately. So mm -hmm. we had cold callers, but we didn't have that many. So we instantly ramped up to 15 cold callers. We got 15 cold callers. And now their job and their VAs, their job is to call that top end of the funnel, that low dollar per hour. And our acquisitions job is to call that middle and bottom of the funnel. So they're earning the most amount per hour. And we leave that top to the VAs. Gotcha. So you got VAs that you hired, yes. virtual assistants to cold call for you to get people to raise their hands. A uh, question I get a lot is how hard are your VAs cold, uh, qualifying when they're cold calling? They can do a better job at it. Uh, so we are, we're working through that. That's mm -hmm. our KPI on the connect to actual qualified lead and getting the most amount of information as we can that it's a low KPI right now. Yeah. Well, and it's a, uh, it's a dance, right? Because like, do you want to like really qualify, but right. then they screw up on some of the people, right? You want them to underqualify, then we got to work a little bit harder, but we have more opportunities, right? right? So it's that dance, right? You know, so and it's getting with the VAs too, and getting them to understand how to ask different questions, right? Understanding the human communication formula, right? Which I think is pretty huge where we realize that words are only really 7% of our entire conversation, mm -hmm. right? The majority of human communication comes down to the tonality in which they say things, which is 38%, and the body language, which is 55%, right? And a lot of people go, but you're over the phone. What do you mean body language? Well, you can just be listening to this, but if I'm moving and my body is moving and my body language is up and, I, and I'm standing in a, in a good posture, right? You're gonna hear that versus me being slutched over and you know head down and you can hear that too. So it's working with them on those mm -hmm. little tiny subtle things outside of the words. Yeah. So they're co-calling, prospects are raising their hands. What happens once the prospect raises their hand? Says, I'm interested in selling. They get dropped into a web form, which gets put into our CRM mm -hmm. and then our acquisitions managers call it immediately. So it's a lead that's submitted and now they got to pick up the phone and call. And then our acquisitions guys pick up the phone and call them. How, what is your KPI or target for time from the web form till a call attempt? We try to get to it that day of, you know, the, I always tell everybody the moment it comes in, get to it. Mm -hmm. um, that's a KPI we're working on because we're noticing that our acquisitions is a lot in the follow-up right now and they're getting these new leads and they're waiting till tomorrow to contact mm -hmm. them. So what we are doing is we're bringing a lead manager in to now make initial contact yeah. and then bring in the acquisitions managers. Cause we did notice, I was, you know, looking at KPIs, we went back in and we would notice we will call the client the day after to find out they sold the day before. Yeah. So, and as we know, time kills all deals. 
right? So we're working on shortening up that process. Yeah, our lead manager, uh, Carlos, has been really instrumental in, in getting that down, right? So once the lead comes in, like he's on the phone right away. He's in our office, so he's got the uh, ability to just like jump on it. Right. And the reason why I was asking this question is I was wondering what the connect rate is uh, from someone raises their hand till, all right, now we got to call this person because this, I don't know how you can do this with, with virtual, right? But I know it can be done. Is that we could do a live transfer versus uh, uh, a, a hang up and call them back? Because man, getting these people to get back on the phone, yeah, is pretty rough. Is really difficult, right? Yeah, yeah. Have you found anything that works for you guys in getting people back on the phone? Calling them five different times throughout the day with different phone numbers. Yeah, it's really all what we can do. Um, just, just effort. Just effort. Just, you know, I always say switch up the number, mm -hmm. right? One of the keys to cold calling is always switching up the number. So, you know, Zach will, or KP will call them and call them from, let's say we're calling uh, Sandy, San Bernardino, call from 909, they'll call from a 951, they'll call from a 760, and these are all area codes that are within mm -hmm. that facility. Um, yeah. And it works for the most part. We do notice like by the fourth or fifth time they're picking up. But, so, your, so your acquisition people are calling them. Once they call them, what's that conversation like? Is it a attempt to one call close? You're doing this virtually, you're doing face to face. They're one 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 call close. How can okay. we get the information we need and get them under contract right then and there? Your goal is to get them under contract right then and there. Right then and there. Yeah. Okay. We so, don't want to have to make another follow up call. Sure. So then you're doing this all over phone, all over the phone then. All over the phone. Yeah. Uh, we have no in person appointments, like maybe two throughout the year. Okay. So now I think that's one of the limiting beliefs, right? Is that I have to meet them face to face. Yes. So what will you say to a person that's telling you, no, we got to do face-to-face? -face. Yeah, we have to re remove that belief, guys, because let's look at the way the world is going, right? You check into an Airbnb and meet no one, where before you would go to a rental property and you would have to meet the person to get the key. Turo, I just rented a car today and I didn't even meet the person. The key's sitting on the front seat. It's convenience to most people. Most people don't want you in their home, right? And that's one thing I, I learned as an agent. Most people didn't want me in their home. They just wanted their home sold. And mm -hmm. a matter of fact, the longer I was in their home, the more they were like, dude, get out, right? So like in my mind, my listing appointments, by the way, Steve, how can I get in and out in 30 minutes? Because mm -hmm. the faster I can get in and out, I do them a service and I do me a service. And I remember my first 30 minute listing presentation, the guy goes, Adrian, I just want to thank you so much. I thought it was going to be like two hours, dude. Yeah. Like you just, thank you. And it was like, interesting because most of us think that people want to like, they want this big show and dance when they really don't. No one wants to show and dance. No. We think they do. We think. Right. Oh, let me well, ask, that's what we're trained on. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, how many guys order from Amazon? Same thing, right? In mm -hmm. my mind, it's the same thing. So it's all about convenience and it's all about meeting that client's need. Most of them do not want you in their home. And if we can understand that, it's going to be a lot easier to get deals virtually, especially real estate agents. I got to go meet the person. No, you don't. Matter yeah. of fact, listings. So we got to the point where, you know, we took a listing last week. We didn't meet the guy. We don't mm -hmm. know what the property is. We sent the photographer, got it done all online, and we plan on selling it all via online, right. all well, virtually. And COVID was a blessing and the curse. It and really that was. is one of the blessings. Yes. Uh, so everything is in uh, Inland Empire. Yes. And, and and is your preferred strategy then to wholesale, hotel, flip, 
Sell to a fund. What do you guys like to do? Yeah, so last year we were all Southern California. Uh, this year, uh, Nick is on a mission to take over the nation. So Nick is going into North Carolina, Georgia. But uh, if we focus on, are we flipping it? Are we wholesaling it? Are we wholetailing it? It really comes, last year was all, how many properties can we flip? We knew the market was up, right? It was steaming up. So last year we were doing more flips than we, um, than we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Right now the focus is wholesale. Can we wholesale and or can we wholetail that has enough profit margin in there to support a price change? And same thing with our flips. We're not going to flip where we're not going to not flip this year. We're for sure going to flip. But anything we buy, there's going to be a cushion in there to support a 10% change, a 15% change in the event that we saw one. But this year, our tactic and our focus is more wholesale. Got it. Because we don't know, right? It's unknown. And I don't want to be stuck with a, with a bag of uh, gold that's not gold. Yeah. So, uh, anything else, uh, any, anything else major last year that you, you think can help you separate yourself from the competition that helped you guys hit such a big year? Yeah. I I think the biggest thing last year was collaboration. We collaborate a lot via social media. You know, when you look at our marketing channels, social media is, is, is up there. It's number three. Uh, and reason being is because we collaborated much more last year versus trying to compete with a bunch of people, Mm -hmm. right? I learned this from Pace and Jamil right? It's collaborating. So we collaborate with other agents like, you know, Josh in our market, um, my business partner in our flipping side, Eddie Salinas, him and I are always making new connections with different agents. I think that's the difference. A lot of wholesalers and flippers, they stick to themselves versus going out and trying to get everybody else to be this mastermind, right? And that's really what we did different last year. Instead of hiding our secrets. We were really telling everybody what we were doing. And then they were going out and helping us find deals. They were going out, bringing deals to us, deals that we would have never had before. Yeah, You know, I had some of our biggest flips last year that they'll be selling and closing uh, this month that came from last year, but that all came from the connections that we made outside of the office, right? Going to different events and connecting with people. So I think the biggest difference in our superpower last year was our ability to connect with a lot of agents in our area, a lot of wholesalers and help them help them cut the curve in half too. Yeah. And help them get to where they need to go. Uh, so one thing I've, I've noticed, you were talking about, you know, Tony Robbins. So it seems like that, that was instrumental in your business. Big. Uh, is he the reason why you're so passionate about routines? Yes. And he's the reason why I'm so passionate on energy, right? Any meeting I always start, I'm always like, Hey guys, who's alive, excited and full of energy, right? It's that energy came, but I have to confuse it. Not with hype. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm much more tame now. When I was 22 years old, I was off the charts, Steve. I was like, right. Just out of control. <laughs> it's more tame now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the energy and the routine and all of that comes from Tony. Um, I was blessed at 19 years old to go to a UPW event, Mm -hmm. Unleash the Power Within. I walked on fire. And I have to say that event changed every limiting belief that I had in my mind on what what we could be. And as Tony says, he's nothing more than the person that he created. The guy that we see on stage, he created that guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not the guy that you guys see today. I was really shy. I was really insecure about my height. I was really insecure about a lot of different things in life. And when I went to that event, it really helped me understand that uh, I can create whatever character that I want, I can be anybody who I wanted to be. If I can change my routine, if I can change my habits, if I can change the thoughts that go on in between the six inches of my head, if I can just believe a little bit more in myself and really take things seriously, maybe I'll change who I am. And it happened. What are some of the key routines in your life? Morning routine, right off the jump. So 
if we look at any successful, real successful person, they have a great morning routine. So I would say morning routine, you don't need to be a triathlon athlete. You don't need to be a bodybuilder. Just wake up at a predetermined time. Get some sort of exercise in. You don't need to, as I mentioned, run miles, but get your body moving, right? It's gonna induce, it's gonna release some endorphins, which is gonna make you think a little bit more positively. Uh, and then every morning I journal. So Gino Blafari, the uh, CEO of uh, Home Services of America, he has a routine where every day he writes down 10 things he's grateful for, uh, five things that made him happy in the last 24 hours, and an I am earning statement to program the RAS. Right, and the RAS is that reticular activity sensory portion of the brain, which gets you, when you're always thinking, let's say you think about a Tesla and all of a sudden you see Teslas everywhere, right? It's programming that part of the mind. Uh, so I do that every day and then I pray, then I do some meditation. And the biggest thing is I get aligned before I leave the day. So I call it a pre-flight checklist. Uh, you look at a jet or you look at an airplane that takes off, they have a checklist of the things that they have to do before that aircraft ascends into the sky. Well, it's the same thing with top performers. There's a checklist that we need before we take off for the day. And as long as that checklist is done, I leave the house and I know that it's going to be a great day. That this time, is the day I'm going to create. What time are you leaving the house? Right now, I'm getting a little lazy, Steve. Getting a little lazy. <laughs> it's 7.30. Getting to the office. Like I'm only asking because I have like, uh, or I've been grossly inconsistent recently. Uh, but, you know, to get all those things done, right? If you sleep in a little bit like it screws up oh, everything yeah right so maybe your exercise went a little longer or maybe you need a chance to meditate and if you're gonna if you're saying you have a pre-flight checklist that you're committed to and for sure you're starting later you're starting later yeah and there's yeah. times where my sister will know i walk in at 10 and she's like someone slept in today right <laughs> so and it has i mentioned i'm i'm getting a little lazy right now right even even last week i noticed it and my wife's like hey what's, what's going on right and so we're, we're having a baby. I'm blaming it on the fact that she's pregnant, right? But it's an excuse. It's just, it's an excuse. I, I think that's a, I think that valid that excuse is valid after she has the baby, <laughs> not before the baby. Um, so, and then one thing you were uh, mentioning you want to talk about was how to use your setbacks and problems to help you move forward. Yeah. So what is that about? So as I was flipping and I thought I got it all figured out, I started opening my brokerage. I come to Phoenix and partner with this other, I don't even think he was a wholesaler, right? Mm. Did not do my investigations, by the way, guys. I should have looked into this guy. Uh, but long story short, I buy four houses in Arizona. Uh, Scottsdale, South Phoenix, North Phoenix. Um, Mary, I don't remember. About four of them. Long story short, he's supposed to be remodeling all these houses. Well, I get this intuition that you need to go to Arizona. So I get in the car, drive down here, and sure enough, not one project is being worked on. I'm at this point, $225,000 into these deals out of, out of, you know, for rehabs, and none of the projects have been worked on. So I go to his house, and this guy's vanished, right? Took two hundred twenty grand, vanished off the face of the earth. And at that time, I'm thinking about it like my whole life is over with, right? I've, how am I going to pull myself out of this hole? I still have to rehab these properties. I still have to put them on the market. I still have to hope that I break even. And as I was going through all of that, I started to ask myself, are you being a victim here? Or are you really learning from this situation, right? Is this really a gift? And I realized what a blessing in disguise that that was, right? Yeah, we lost some money, but what I learned from it was far greater than anything else that I can, that, that I, that I would be taught anywhere. Right? I look at that as such a blessing because some of us, we have these setbacks and we look at them as, 
well, that's why I shouldn't be flipping property or that's why I shouldn't be wholesaling or, and they put these negative connotations to these experiences versus looking at the perspective. And what's the perspective? The perspective is, is that I can get better. The perspective is, as Pace said, this is a filter to remove bad people from my life, right? Mm -hmm. The perspective is, is I am so excited this is happening because I'm going to get so better from it. I'm going to become so much of a, of a better man and a, and a human from this experience. And it wasn't until I started listening to Ed where Ed Milet says, life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. There's a reason why this all takes place. And we all have setbacks in our lives, every single one of us. But are we using it to propel us forward? Or are we using it to keep us where we're at and or bring us back down? Right. And I think it's such a, such a big topic, especially in real estate, because investors, how many of you guys have lost money on a deal? If you haven't lost money on a deal, you just haven't done enough deals, right? Right. It's just a matter of time. But can you pull yourself back out of it? Can you recreate yourself from it? Can you get better from it? And that's the key. And, and it's not just on deals. It's on anything. Yeah. Well, I think like even not even losing money is in a deal. Like we have that big deal that's going to close. That's going to change everything for us. Right. And then day before close, by the way, this isn't closing. Right. And that money was spent. Oh, yes. Right. In your head, that money was going to A, B, and C, and that rug gets pulled off from underneath you. How do you recover from that? It's funny you say that because as we're moving to Orange County, I have this house worth $4 million in escrow. He's buying a house up the street for two mil, right? And then I'm helping him. He's 1031 exchanging some money into another uh, short-term rental. We're moving to Orange County when this is happening. I probably got like $300,000 in, in uh, potential commissions. So we moved to Orange County. The day after we move in the house, it's a Tuesday, I'll never forget this, all the deals fall apart. And I had spent this money on the lease for the new house that we moved into, on the lease for the office, on all you know, furniture and everything else we bought. And I remember looking at it, it all crashed, and I look at my wife and I go, holy shit, again, how am I gonna get out of this, right? Mm -hmm. But it made me work much harder. It made me redefine my morning routine. It, there was no complacency at that time. I had to get up and get after it, and I learned so much from it, right? So for most of us guys, it's changing the perspective. If we can change the outlook on how we how we look at things, our thinking will change, which then will change our emotion, which then will change our action. And they're all aligned. But when you have a bad thought, it creates a bad emotion, which then leads to no action, and you end up staying where you're at. Right. So if we can just change the thought and, you know, people go, well, what do I do? Change the thought. Well, Adrian, that sounds so simple. Yes, it is. But, and, but it's actually harder than we think. Way harder. Way harder. Yeah. Uh, so we got a chance to connect at All In last week. Yeah. I was curious to hear from you. What were some of your biggest takeaways from All In? You know, Ed, after he had us all in tears, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I'm a big crier, by the way. So, you know, so I was talking to Were you one of the people I was hearing crying? I wasn't sobbing, but I, there was some tears going down my face. Uh, from Ed and the real Bradley, right? They talked about potential. And this was really big for me. Like, are we really tapping into our true potential? Mm -hmm. For all of you, question, are you tapping into your true potential? Yes or no? And Bradley asked the question and I go, absolutely not. Right. And then Ed goes, every time that you choose to not wake up at that time, every, every time you choose to not take that action, or you know what, I'm going to eat one extra cookie or for an example, or I'm going to stay out one extra hour. All we're doing is pulling ourselves back from who we could really be. Right. And I think one of the worst things would be getting to the end of our lives to meeting the person that we could have became. Mm -hmm. And the event helped me understand that I really need to tap into who I am.
I really need to tap into my true potential and I need to stop playing so small. Like I see what you got going on here and I'm inspired, man. Like I'm beyond inspired. Cause it's like in my mind, I'm like, yes, this is, this is tapping into true potential. Yeah. This is going above and beyond what we're so used to doing. That was the biggest, biggest takeaway that I got. Yeah. And I really do appreciate the comment you made. Cause when you were walking, he's like, wow, like Steve, you actually dude, go all out. The hospitality, like you guys do a fantastic job, dude. It's, yeah. I love what you guys got going on. Well, I'm for, and again, I'm always incredibly blessed to have amazing people. Um, the thing that took I took from Ed Milet's talk was like, you know, kind of like what you were saying is like, when you meet your creator, which version of you is he going to meet? Right. Right. Like your okay you or like the elite version of you. Like, right. Crap. <laughs> it's big. And yeah. then he started talking about his dad and, um, you know, my father really helped me throughout this um throughout life, but he's not my biological father. Mm -hmm. um, he's my father of forever. He's, he's my dad. But my biological father, I've never got a chance to meet. And I always ask myself, what version is my biological father going to meet when I get to heaven? Is he going to say, yeah, you did a great job. You really tapped into who you were meant to be or. Yeah, you could have been somebody. Yeah. Yeah. That would suck. Uh, so guys, we're going to get into your questions before we do that. Uh, Max and I, we do have our Closers Lab blueprint is coming next month. It's two and a half days in our office. We're going to be going over our sales process. We're going to go over how we're finding sellers, how we're managing all the leads, how we handle our lead manager, recruiting, everything that's involved in running our wholesaling business. If you guys are interested, Go to our uh, this uh, our closest lab blueprint. Check it out. See if this is a good fit for you guys. All right. So let's go into the questions. You got a lot of questions. You got a lot of fans here. So oh, I love it. Um, They're all my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's very passionate. She's got all these different logins. So uh, Nick Cardenas on YouTube. What advice would you give to an agent who wants to start implementing wholesaling in their business? Yeah, unlearn what you were learned. <laughs> It's simple, but it's I'll it's, give it. it's, it's, it's accurate because there are a lot of habits that we may want to, uh, yeah. might be hard to break. So is there any specific yes. thing? Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to throw that out there because we got to, you know, most of what I'm doing is unlearning the stuff that I was taught. So what I would say is unlearn what we were learning. What I mean by that is we have to take off the agent hat and learn to start wearing diff multiple different hats, right? So when you go to an appointment, when you see a lead, Ask yourself, is there a better way to get this deal under contract? Ask yourself, is there multiple different, can I get a wholesale? Can I get this as a, as a fix and flip? And then also the biggest thing, right? Cause that's the bottom. If we look at the top, change your marketing approaches, change who you're marketing to and change your marketing tactics. So if you are just relying on center of influence and past clients, that's good. But I would advise that you create a cold calling team, hire mm -hmm. some VA cold callers, right? Yep. Change the marketing list that you're calling. If you're so used to calling for sale by owners and expired listings, change that. How about absentees? How about tired landlords? How about pulling a list of all of the NODs in all of California and attacking that list? And the way I see it is the worst case scenario when I go to an appointment is I'm taking a listing. 
But the best scenario is that I buy the house from them on a sub two or seller finance, or I get to buy it as a, as a fix and flip, or I get to get it under contract and wholesale or wholetail it. And if nothing else works, then the bare bone bottom is me getting a listing agreement. Yeah. And if all of, if we, if our, if agents, if we can start to just learn more than what you know, go out there and I, if I were you, I would watch all of Real Estate Disruptors episodes. I would go go back and I would look at and listen to the guys that the investors that are really doing it and see what they're doing that you're not doing. Yeah. And I think the thing, too, is the problem is, uh, what was it? If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right. right? Like listing agents, you go in there and like, I got to go get the listing. Right. But what was useful for me when I was doing this all on my own was let's figure out what problems adrian has and now figure out which tool so good applies yeah. right so you got to figure out you got to diagnose first before you prescribe instead of prescribing a uh a listing to every every homeowner that may not work because most homeowners we found they're like give me that cash offer right yeah they want they want the convenience they want the certainty they want to be able to sleep well at night and a listing does not help that necessarily. And I'll also say we don't know what we don't know. So go learn. Go go to events. You know, I was telling an agent this the other day. He's like, dude, what do I got to do? I go, dude, get around bigger thinkers. Yeah. Get around bigger rooms, right? Go to the events that you see. And don't just go to them to go to them. Go to them. Go to the front row. Go to the people that are front and ask, hey, what do you do? What do you do? How, how do you do it? How can I get involved in what you're doing? And ask and seek knowledge, right? I think a lot of us, we're, we're real timid and afraid to go to these events. And if we do go to them, we don't ever talk to any, anybody. Get out there. Expand the thoughts that are going in your mind. But in order to do that, you have to start listening to other people with other thoughts. Absolutely. Uh, G. Brown asks, is Los Angeles a good market to start in? I think Los Angeles is a great market to start in. Um, if you have the... Uh, if you have, let's say, the bandwidth to deal with a tremendous amount of rejection, if you are willing to go through a hundred no's before you get a yes, then LA is okay. But I would advise that you maybe, you know, this is a trick question because in my mind, I think anybody can go to LA and crush it in my mind, right? So to answer your question, I think you could crush it in LA if you just started. But mm -hmm. if you're looking for an easier market, if it's really messing with your mind that much, then why don't you start inland? Why don't you start in, if you're in Los Angeles, why don't you start in like maybe Northridge or Palmdale and then work your way as your mindset gets a little bit better about that. Yep. And it looks like you and Brian Davila uh, know each other pretty well from my fairy days. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we were talking last night. He's like, I'm so stoked you're going on Disruptors. And yeah, we were, it was cool. It was a good yeah. conversation. Good friend of mine. Uh, so on YouTube, Mojo wants to know, what are your thoughts on estimating repairs in California? How are you estimating repairs? So estimating repairs, I actually have a partner that I do my flips with who is a GC. And so it's a little bit different. He goes and he he's the one that does the bids. For us, when we're looking at deals that maybe I'm selling to an investor or we're selling to an investor, uh, we're going off of the square footage and then we're going anywhere between 35 to about $40 a square foot on average. On average. Now, I want to I want to tell you guys that is not on every single deal. Some deals they're a little bit different. What I would do if I were you, and this is what helped me, is go find a GC or go walk these projects and go figure out what certain GCs look at on what they charge for, so you can get an idea of what most rehabs are. Call the flippers in your area and say, hey, how much was that 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 
rehab on that property or go and shadow them, walk the property and figure out what it is that they're doing so you can get an idea of how much that rehab is. In California, it's different for every market because the rehab we do in, in San Bernardino is not the rehab we do in Los Angeles. Right. One of the things I, I, I heard from someone else was that um, ask the flipper, right? hey, if I wholesale this deal to you, can I be with you in every yeah. step of the way? Huge. Right. So you can learn about what it's going to cost. That's probably the bet. That's that's like a cheat code right there. Yeah. If you guys can do that, if you can find a flipper that you can learn from, that's the best way. Yeah. Uh, and then how do we attend the meetup in Irvine? That's William Jennings. Yeah. Uh, I'll be posted on my Instagram in the there next you go. few days. Uh, so Francisco Jasso wants to know, how do you plan to pivot when it comes? I'm guessing he's talking about when the bad things happen. How do you pivot when the bad things happen? I mean, we, we there's some uncertainty right now. You kind of mentioned, right? You're interviewing a lot of loan officers at mm -hmm. the moment. And it's funny you said that because I think we interviewed a loan officer last week and I didn't even put two and two together. Yeah. I, yeah. I connected the dots. I'm like, wait a minute, what happened? And he goes, everyone got laid off. I said, interesting. Yeah. So how do we pivot? Well, there's a saying from Tony Robbins, business, ma business mastery, leaders anticipate losers react. So don't react to the situation. Start to be aware of it now. So we're already aware of it now, right? It hasn't completely changed, but it's starting to. So we're going more wholesale. We're pivoting to what's going to be more profitable. So the way I see this could be more market change or not market change. And my question to what it comes down to on this market change is where are you earning the most amount of cash in your business? And where are you spending the most amount of cash? So like for us on flips, there's times where my bank account goes like, I'm calling other people trying to find money, right? Because you have all these loans, you have all these rehabs that you're dealing with. You get in 25 deals, you're going to see how many, how much money you have in payments, right? So mm -hmm. it's funny, my buddy Omar Alfaro, uh, we're always talking about this because he'll call me and be like, dude, you got like 25 grand because I got to make payments. And he makes millions of dollars, right? right. Um, so it's understanding where is most of your capital going and understanding in this changing market, we're going to need capital. So maybe you're not, allocating your cash to where things need to be cash heavy and you're keeping more cash in bank in your bank and you're focusing and you're doing deals that are bringing more cash in versus having you expend more money to earn that money if that makes sense it does make sense and uh, i mean that's a whole different podcast right it's or a different course it's like cash flow management versus profitability right it wasn't until we started flipping more houses they realized oh cash flow and profit problem yeah, it can become a very <laughs> massive problem, especially if you're not producing. Yeah, it's it. It could be it well, could long be sales cycles, right? Right. I mean, people doesn't matter how long a sales cycle is. People need to get paid. Yep. And right now, sales cycles are drawing out. I mean, most of my flips would have been sold right now, yeah. and right now, like I'm looking at them, like what the heck's going on, right? So yeah, that's why I never want to do big flips. Uh, personally, right? Like yeah. I, I've shared before, I got scarred from 2007. Uh, so Samantha asks, I just recently got my license in SoCal. I've been wholesaling virtually. Is joining a brokerage something you would recommend? And if so, which brokerage? Well, I would ask, why would you join a brokerage if you're wholesaling? So that would be my question is, what would be the need to join the brokerage? Um, if you don't, if you have an active license and you're looking to do some deals, I mean, it would be nice to have your license activated as a brokerage so you don't lose it. But I would ask you, why are you even doing that? Why were you trying to go to a brokerage if you're virtual wholesaling virtually? I would tell you, you're probably going to make way more money wholesaling virtually than you are joining a brokerage. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so we're answering the next question. Omar Alfaro. There he is. What's up? Uh, what number do you need to make for a wholesale fee versus flipping it? Yeah, that's a 
question. So typically when we look at a wholesale, if we're making 50 grand, we're wholesaling it right mm-hmm. off the jump. Right. But now, uh, Nick and I had a conversation cause we're looking at everything and I'm like, you know what, even if we're making 35 right now, dude, just do it. Just do it. Because some of these flips that we're looking at for us last year, if we're not making, if I'm not making at least per partner, 25,000 per flip, it doesn't make sense. Right. So that's a minimum of 50 grand per flip. The way I see on a wholesale is if we're going to make 35 right after jump and I don't have to go through it, let's run it. So to answer your question, it's about 30, 35. Yep. Simple enough. Uh, Paulino, uh, on YouTube, what does Adrian do regarding mindset exercise books, programs, affirmations, and how often does he do them? Yeah. Every single day. Uh, I have also a rule in my car when I'm driving, it's 90, 10, 90% informational, 10% music, right? So like I'll play one of your podcasts and then I'll switch over and listen to Eminem for two songs and I'll switch back. Right. And I have that in my car. So I'm always learning and that's a daily thing. But what really helps me is brain dumping. So taking out a piece of paper and writing down all your thoughts, right? So like prior to me getting here, I was on the airplane. I filled up like a whole notebook of thoughts, right? I'm just brain dumping because I want to get it out of here so I can think clearly. If you ever have an issue going to sleep because you're just overwhelmed with thought, take out a notepad, write it all down, and you'll see how fast you fall asleep. It's a thing called brain dumping, and that helps keep my mind clear. And it, help, it also helps me identify the BS that I come up with throughout the day. That's so hopefully easy. that helps. Uh, and then uh, TDOS, what is the best area to focus on, lower end homes or higher end? Well, it depends what you're doing. Uh, if you're listing property, the way I see it is I want to earn the most amount of money per deal. So I'm going to go to high end, right? But you also got to understand volume is going to oversee the amount of transactions that you do. Um, if you are wholesaling, I advise you go to the lower ends. I would advise like if you're looking at California, you're going to want to go to the areas that don't have the highest um, household median, right? You don't want to go to like a $200,000 household median. You want to go to something that is more... You know, if I'm looking at California, like San Bernardino or Barstow or Victorville. Got it. Uh, and then Angel uh, asks, what are your near future plans? Near future plans. Well, we're on a big mission this year to crush $5 million. So well, that's, that's a big mission. But my future plans is content creation. And I really, I am on a mission. Uh, we are on a mission to help as many agents as possible. So I think that's the new era is going into content creation and really however it comes about is just really empowering and helping real estate agents. That's really what um, I want to do. Not for you, for everyone else. We do have a course, right? That, yes. was, actually, that was actually for you, but I was, I'm going to say it was for them. Uh, <laughs> Milton Flores, what are your top three Milton. books you recommend? Yeah. Top three books, obviously Think and Grow Rich, right? Obviously yeah. Think and Grow Rich, hands down. Um, and then I would also say the strangest secret in the world. It's also, it is a book, but it's also an audible that you can uh, listen to on YouTube. And for me, The Magic of Believing was really big by Claudio Bistro. That book really helped me believe in myself. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I had a hard time believing in who I was, Steve. Uh, At 19 years old, I had a really hard time believing that this was even possible. Mm -hmm. I just knew how to take action. Like I always, you know, I always knew to move forward, but I never really established a self-belief and it played a big role until I read that book and it helped me shatter some limiting beliefs that were in my mind. So it helped you become more confident in yourself. It helped me understanding that believing in yourself was even possible. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think it was possible. And then I started believing in myself. The book helped me understand some good tactical things you can do to start believing in yourself, some stories that really resonated with me. And then that seed you know, started germinating and sprouting and then that self-belief started to grow. 
you know, as we've heard from Brad Lee, you will never outperform your self-image. Yeah. And my self-image was not the greatest back then. And I had to read books like Magic of Believing to help me change that self-image. Well, uh, the reason why I'm asking that is that, like you said, what well, Brad Lee said, right? The, the greatest determination of success is your self-image, right? Right. If you don't believe you can do it, for sure, you're not going to do, do it, it. right? Uh, but if you're irrationally confident, somehow you'll find a way to make it work. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's awesome uh, that you found that book. The Strangest Secret in the World. That's the same one that is like, like it's a few minutes, right? On yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like 30 minutes on, 32 minutes on YouTube. Yeah. It's one of the best. Uh, so simple and profound. Yeah. So, all right. And then what do you, what are you, plan, what are you doing to plan on spending more time at home when your baby is born? This is from Eddie Salinas. Oh, Eddie, so Eddie Salinas is my flipping partner. My, he does all my flips with me. I love you, brother. Uh, what am I going to do to spend more time at home when my baby's here? Well, I'm not answering any of your guys' calls. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I've made a conscious decision that I'm, I'm gonna stay at home for the first month. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna give myself really the opportunity to to enjoy it and and really take in the experience, uh, and then really setting up the team to make sure that that's possible, right? So creating the right expectations. Um, right now, I'm loading up in as many Loom videos as possible. So you know, as we already have some good operations, but I'm even anticipating, hey, if I'm not here for this, here's a video. If I'm not here for this, here's a video. So I'm already starting to anticipate and prepare for that by creating content that the internal team can use and reflect back to. All right, uh, last question from Paulina is what, uh, besides business, do you take any other classes or program for speaking, for branding, or anything else? Um, Tony Robbins. I do all of Tony Robbins' stuff. Um, you know, obviously I'm involved in All In. Carlos Reyes, Sal, Alex, love you guys. Uh, involved in Ryan Pineda's Future Flipper. Ryan, love you, brother. Uh, throughout the whole thing, you know, if I, if, if I can look at this, what I would say is, I'm sorry, what was the question again, Steve? Uh, what else are you doing to to improve so, on yourself? Tony Robbins, um, I got I got stuck for a quick second because one of the the real things that I'm really focused on right now, guys, is really just being a better man, right? Um, and I'm learning that from people like Tony Robbins, uh, being a better man and a better husband and a better person to society overall. Um, and I bring that up because that's one thing that I'm learning right now from Tony that I'm learning from Carlos and uh, Tony Robbins is, is something like date with destiny. Business mastery, uh, leadership mastery. That's what helped me with my speaking skills and leadership mastery is big too. Uh, so you had to work on your speaking skills there. Leadership mastery helps you with your speaking, helps you with connecting with people. It's kind of like an NLP. It teaches you NLP in a way, mm -hmm. but in a good way, not in a bad way. And you guys, NLP is neuro-linguistic programming. It's a selling technique that they used to use frequently back in the day. And um, they teach you that stuff, but to help you and to be able to help motivate and encourage and inspire other people and push them in a different way, using language, using body language, using tonality. Yeah, I, I don't think it's back in the day. I think it's very prevalent in today's sales. Oh, yeah. I just didn't want to. Yeah, it's I, in all the commercials, by the way. Yeah, it's one of the things that we harp on a lot in our sales training. Um, so then what is your why? Yeah, I got some big ones. I was writing this down. I got some selfish whys, right? The self, my, my ultimate why, guys, is as I mentioned, I want to know that when I get to the gates of heaven that I am the best person version of myself. That's my why. When I break that down, 
my biggest why is I want to change the generation in my family. I want to change the thinking. I want to change the way that we operate. Not to say that what my family does now is wrong, but I just want to create a different branch on our family tree that is of wealth, that is of abundant mindset, that is not caged by any limitations, right? And I know that's going to be a little difficult to do, but I believe it starts with me. And I believe it starts with me and it's going to trickle down to any kids that I have. And that's that's my big why is I just want to know that when I get done with this beautiful thing we called life, that I really gave it my all. Yeah. Um, and then to the world is I want to be able to help as many agents and young entrepreneurs as humanly possible. I want to give back the keys that were once given to me. So, you know, when you're talking about your why, you say it's kind of selfish. You know, and I think that there's a lot of us we feel like we are obligated to give an answer that benefits everybody, right? We feel like it's selfish to talk about ourselves. So you qualified it, right? Just picking up on it. No, I like that. Uh, and, it's good. And this is something that uh, Chris Rude he spoke at the event, right? And something I've said, got in trouble for it, is like I'm doing this for me. You know, like this idea, like I'm gonna do everything I'm doing is for my wife and my kids, right? That's the natural thing to say. It's very politically correct. But the reality is, we're doing this for our wife and our kids. We could have slowed down a long time ago. That's true. We could have stopped, right? Like, there's no reason to keep taking more risk. Why are we doing more flips? Why are we taking on more debt? Hmm. So I'm just asking, right? I'm just kind of asking you to think a little bit, right? Because no, you're good. qualifying it. I don't right. think it needs to be qualified. No, you're right. So. And it's interesting because I had that thought on the plane. I go, why am I categorizing this? So literally, the first thing I wrote down was mm -hmm. selfish. I'm like, why am I? That's good. I need to look into that. Yeah, actually, um, there's um, The Greatest Showman. Have you watched it? I have. Right? And there's that movie. I was talking to my daughter about it. She's 11 now. And she's like, I thought he was doing all these things for his wife. Why is he traveling? Why is he trying to do more stuff? And that's why I share with her. Like, the, the greatest lie every entrepreneur says is I'm doing this for my family. Mm. Right? No, he wasn't traveling for, for them. They had everything they wanted. They asked him to stay. Right. I mean, why are we taking more trips? Why are we going more speaking events? This right. and that. Not for them. They want us at home. So that's good. Yeah. There's always something to learn, ladies and gentlemen. Thank uh, you for that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, what is your biggest struggle right now? Hiring. <laughs> Isn't that all of us? Hiring. That's the biggest struggle, right? Well, as I heard you earlier. <laughs> uh, hiring's our biggest problem right now. So, you know, yeah. Uh, what are you doing to fix it? Uh, more interviews, you know, it's actually funny. I was talking to Josh. He's like, do you guys run the predictive index, index test? And I said, right now we're not right now. We're just getting everybody through the door. I'm meeting everybody. I'm just trying to, you know, figure out, is this the right or wrong person? And then from there, we'll have them take a index test. Yeah. Um, so more, you know, obviously indeed you know, zip recruiter, Social media has helped a lot, right? I yeah. think most of our hires, guys, if you could post on your social media or you could post on your Facebook is huge. Um, and we realized, you know, they were talking about this, I forget what event I was at. They're talking about right now, our competition is not other employers. Our competition, unfortunately, is, you know, the people paying all of the, the money to free money every single month, that free yeah. mailbox money that people are getting. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's hard to compete against the U.S. government. Yes, it is. Um, but there's also... Um, you know, a challenge for all of us too, you know, is that we have to be better leaders and be more attractive. Yes. And we are struggling as, as hiring. And, you know, we're looking back at every hire we've made recently. It's all been by referral, which is great. Right. We'd also like to be good enough that we can also get some outside people. Attract, yeah. Uh, but, you know, all our hires have been uh, internal referrals, but they've also all been amazing hires. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think what um, another thing I'm doing on the interviews is I'm not just painting the picture of today on what they can do today. I'm really painting the picture of this is what this means a year from now. This is what this means two years from now. These are the different opportunities we have in our in our company, right? And those opportunities I paint as, well, maybe we get a deal one day and you buy that deal. And now mm-hmm. you're no longer just making a salary on wholesale, but now you own a rental. And it's really sharing the vision of what that person can do long-term in your company, I think will help spark some inspiration in them versus well, just being a job. Well, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to ask you this offline, but since you brought this up, I'll ask you here. Yeah. Um, so you're part of um, uh, Business Mastery. Yes. And in Business Mastery, he talks. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about ESOPs, mm-hmm. which is something I'm thinking about doing, right? Like we've got all these amazing people here and I like them to, to partake right. in all the wins, right? So I'm thinking about how do I create an ESOP, employee stock option plans, uh, for our organization so that it doesn't matter where you sit in the company, you win, right? Kind of like right. the whole story of like the lady that was the janitor for Apple is wildly wealthy. Her family will never have to work again because she was a janitor for Steve Jobs when he and Steve Wozniak started Apple. Right. Right. So do you have any wisdom as far as how to execute or uh, make make that happen? So I'm learning this actually from what All In is doing Mm -hmm. because now they have like everybody partakes in the gross profit for the company every month. Right. So we're starting to, I haven't rolled this out yet. So if the team, if you're listening to this, right, which I know you guys are, um, this is going to be something we're rolling out, but it's giving them profit on everything that we do at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Right. So that includes flips. So they're more involved in the flips. That includes the different things that we do in our business. Right. So, you know, Zach is uh, one of our acquisitions managers. He's taking a percentage of a listing that he recently got and it's being able, or that he helped cultivate, but it's being able to what we're doing is being able to give them profit share off of what everybody is doing versus just what they're doing. And from what I'm learning from all in is that what happens is now they all become connected and it's okay for them to help with a flip issue, or it's okay for them to help with uh, another issue that doesn't involve their particular position, but because they all share in that bottom line, they all feel like they're a part of it. Right. So I think, Definitely the profit share. And we're already incorporating parts of the profit share, right? right? I'm trying to do something kind of like what Tony's on the, on the, yeah. talking about. I haven't fully, um, haven't fully gotten into that. Yeah, I was looking at, uh, to, you know, someone's like, oh, you should check out uh, ESOPs. You know, Tony Robbins talks about it. So I did. And it's like, okay, click here for a conversation about joining Business Masters. Like, I'm, I'm not ready to spend 80K. You do not want to do that. <laughs> I actually On have, an opt-in. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk about it. I, I got some good stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you stay motivated? How do I stay motivated? Well, I surround myself with people like you, get involved in bigger rooms, get involved in bigger masterminds. Uh, that's how I stay motivated. And a lot of short-term goals, right? Like, you know, it's funny, I'll, I'll meet somebody and they'll tell a younger kid, younger kid wants to buy a nice car and they'll say, don't buy the nice car, right? For some of us, you have to go buy the nice car, right? For some of us, you need some little short-term goals to help push you forward. So. I have these little short-term goals and these little short-term goals I have every two months, three months, and they just keep me moving forward. There's never a finish line. The whole point is, is to push the finish line further and further away. Mm -hmm. So I think about it with my goals, right? I never really reach a goal. I'm always just pushing it a little bit further. So for some of us, maybe creating some short-term goals, right? Like is, do you want to remodel your house? Is there something monetary, right? And then the other thing on on the way I stay motivated 
is making sure we are collaborating and talking to, and I mentioned this before, I'm going to mention it again, that we're collaborating and talking to bigger minds. Because what happens is I talk to Steve and I see Steve's operation like this, and I immediately get motivated because I want to go back home. And I'm like, dude, if he can do this thing, I let's go, right? And right. then that's how I stay motivated is by being around other people that are doing way more than you're doing. So I want to touch on something you just mentioned earlier, because this is a pet peeve of mine, not you, right? Mm. Uh, but there's so much judgment on like people buying nice cars. Oh yeah. Right. So like I'm a car guy, I'm going to have a nice car. Right. I, so for whatever reason, he parked his lucid next to my Tesla. Right. I think that was kind of a, a jerk move. Right. In your parking spot, uh, in my parking spot. Uh, so, but there's so many people like, you know, you shouldn't buy a nice car or this or that. Right. Right. And I think that's one of those things where we're kind of imparting our values and judging other people based off our value system. But no one says, Adrian, you should not have gone to that beach. Right. Right. Or why did you buy that second house? Did you really need that second house? Like no one questions you. Right. If you buy a second home, if you go on a vacation, if you buy your parents a car, no one questions any of those things. Right. But you pull up a nice car. It's like, was that really responsible? Did you really need that car? Right. right. And so just, uh, just want to touch on that as a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. In case you can't tell by the rant. Uh, what is it. your superpower? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I saw the question in there and I'd mm -hmm. asked myself this business mastery a year ago and I'm asking myself it again. And it's something that I, you know, it's kind of like pulling back from, but I think my superpower is my ability to be alive, excited and consistently full of energy when I'm doing what I'm doing. Like I do things at a high energy level. Anybody you talk to that I'm on a Zoom call with, they're like, dude, you, how many cups of espresso did you drink, right? And, and I think it's because I'm just really passionate about what it is that I'm talking about. So I think my superpower is my ability to transfer my energy and really help move people and, and influence people in a, in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. Something I yeah. wish I had. I'm the opposite, <laughs> exact okay. opposite. I'm going to show up. I'm going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and I'm going to move on or what you need to hear and then I'm going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> so I love, I love, I love superpower. I got, actually had a criticism uh, a week or two ago. Like Steve needs to be more like compassionate and warm and fuzzy. I was like, if you need that, I'm just not, not your guy. guy. <laughs> just, you should never have asked me to be involved. That's what you need. Well, it's funny because one of the superpowers to life is know thyself, right? Mm -hmm. Know who you are. And it's funny, Steve, because I'll meet guys that you know are naturally like you, but they want to be uh, someone that they're not. They're mm -hmm. looking at people on the camera and they're like, oh, I got to be more like that guy. No, be yeah. more of Steve. Right. right. Is that, that that's that's why you got this beautiful thing, dude. Yeah. You need to be energetic. <laughs> no, not at all. That's everyone else. Yes, I agree. What's the greatest lesson you've learned? Greatest lesson I've learned. Don't take life too seriously. And this too shall pass. Yeah. Whatever it is that you're going through, it will pass. If you're killing it right now, it shall pass. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the reality. And especially, I mean, you talk to all those loan officers you're talking to right now. Right? I mean, I'm hearing some really difficult conversations that are being had that, Wish it weren't being had. Uh, so what book have you gifted more than any other? The uh, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Every year I give it away. Always have copies at my house. Um, that one and As a Man Thinketh. Yeah, that's another powerful one. When you when you're mentioning those other three books earlier, I was thinking like As a Man Thinketh is like right there. Right there. With those yeah. books. And I like As a Man Thinketh because it's only, you know, yeah. 20, 25 pages, not even 50 pages. And again, it's so profound, but so short. So short, right. Yeah. I've noticed the most profound things are not that complex. Right. We overcomplicate it. We do. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I want you to think about what you want to leave the listeners with. Guys, uh, just real quick. Uh, if you're getting value today, please like, subscribe, share, comment. I see 31 likes here on YouTube. Please 
help us reach more people. Uh, this Thursday, tomorrow, Max Menes will take your leads and call your sellers and help you close your deals. So check out the Closers Lab if you guys haven't checked that out yet. And then we do have Blockchain Whales. Uh, Paul Sparks and I are doing something different where we're trying to join blockchain and real estate. So if you guys are interested in that, check out Blockchain Whales. Uh, and again, we do have our blueprint. And uh, next week, I'm really excited. I've got Larry Yatch. So you guys have heard me talk about uh, one of my mentors. Uh, this is one of those guys that's absolutely kicking my butt, uh, teaching me humility once again. So if you guys want to meet who's mentoring me, he'll be on the show next week. All right. So what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Last thoughts, guys. You have everything you need within you right now to do what you need to do. There is no coaching program. There is no, there's nothing you need to learn. This is a fantastic episode, but there's nothing that you need to learn to take action and get you further ahead than where you are today. You have everything that you need inside of you right now. I think too many of us, we think that we need to know something, learn something, figure something out before we can take action. And I got to tell you guys, everything that you need is within you. Just take the action. Start. Take one foot in front of another. Every day, take one foot in front of another. How do you get to the top of the mountain? You're not just dropped there. It's one foot in front of the other, in front of another, every single day. And then what I want to empower you to do is to close your eyes and picture what you look like. Picture what the upgraded version of you look, looks like. Picture what the version of you that makes a million dollars or two million or $10 million, picture what that person looks like. Who is he being? How does he act? How does he, ra ra how does he radiate? How does she act? How does she radiate? What thoughts are you having at any given time? Close your eyes and see that person. And every day, just do your job to become that person. Remember this. It is a be, do, have journey, as my friend Thatch Nguyen says. This is not a do. This is a be. Be who you are. Take the action. And the do and the having would automatically line itself up. Powerful. Someone wants to get a hold of you. How would they do that? Instagram at Adrian Hernandez. Go to YouTube. Type in Adrian Hernandez. Did you have to pay anything extra for that or you just got it? I had to pay for it. And, yeah. pay for it. and the website, I went against the baseball player, Adrian Hernandez, for three <laughs> months, but I beat him. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Steve. Great all right. time, man. I appreciate it. And I love that what we covered because there was so much overlap between our two journeys. Catch you guys next week. Again, as my coach. You'll, you definitely don't want to miss it. See you guys later. Thank you, guys. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors.